Hey, Kate, what's this extra crunch thing I keep hearing all about? Extra Crunch gives you access to in-depth coverage on how startups become successful, challenges facing the startup community, enhanced reader tools on TechCrunch.com, member-only conference calls, and more. Sign up today by visiting TechCrunch.com slash subscribe. But honestly, guys, you should definitely be signing up for Extra Crunch. There's tons of amazing content on the site. I, for example, wrote a deep dive on the fertility industry and the VCs and founders that are leading that new sector. If you haven't signed up for Extra Crunch yet, all new members receive a free trial. And even better, if you're an annual member, you receive discounts to TechCrunch events like TechCrunch Disrupt. Enter the promo code EQUITY to save 20% on an annual membership plan. Again, that's TechCrunch.com slash subscribe. Select the annual plan and enter the promo code EQUITY. Hello and welcome back to Equity once again. I'm TechCrunch's Kate Clark and I'm back again with Crunchbase News' Alex Wilhelm. Hello. Hey, Kate. Good to be back. How's it going? Uh, I'm good. It's Friday. I'm tired, but I'm excited that there was this much IPO stuff to go over. So let's do it. Yeah. So we are back again on Friday because there's been so much IPO news and updates that we just have to do basically two episodes a week, though it's not a permanent update. We'll continue to do it as long as there are major, major IPOs to discuss. So before we uh, could even finish outlining our script for this special episode of Equity, another company filed to go public unsurprisingly. So we're going to talk about that Fastly S1, um, dig into the pricings, valuations, and results of the Zoom and Pinterest offerings. Yeah. But first, Kate, can we talk a little bit about why we didn't have equity come out on the normal day this week? You were over in Berkeley, I think it was, doing something with robots. And I was hoping you could give us a, a thumbnail of that. Yes. So I was hanging out with robots in Berkeley. TechCrunch put on this really cool event called TechCrunch Sessions, where we focus on robotics and AI. So I got to interview a bunch of um, amazing robotics founders, which was really cool because I don't really cover the robotics space, but got the opportunity to talk to them about what the unique struggles are of launching robotics businesses. And long story short, you need a lot of money and you need to be a genius to do this. Um, And I got to see a demo of the Boston Dynamics creepy dog-like robot and it was something something else are, are those those robots that are like uh, they have the little like rubber balls as feet and they kind of walk super weird and people kind of kick them and they show how they can recover from that sort of thing yes so it kind of reminds me of like a tarantula mixed with a dog mixed Ew. with an alien no yeah, well, it is kind of it is like it gives me the creeps looking yeah. at it, but it's also very amazing and gives you kind of an idea of what's to come with these with this technology that makes me really uncomfortable because I'm very arachnophobic and you just said tarantula while I was comfortable and happy and now I am neither comfortable I, yeah. nor happy. So uh, <laughs> yep, well, that's the truth. I, I, I don't I don't deny it. I'm just now not I, I was sad that I missed the event because I'm on the East Coast today, but now I'm no longer sad because I missed the tarantula dog robots. Um anyways, shall we talk about Fastly? Yeah, let's talk about Fastly. So I'm just gonna ask you some questions because I have to be honest, I'd never heard of Fastly before. Could be because I'm not particularly interested in the cloud, the edge cloud platform space. But still, you know, usually when a company of this size is filing to go public, it's at some point crossed my desk. But can you tell me just first what this company even does? Yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and use some words that are roughly correct. And people out there who are real experts in this space can can correct us. But essentially, the internet is a large place. And getting your content, be it video or a very popular website, to everyone around the world quickly is, is a complex challenge. And so what Fastly does, so far as I understand it, is do things that help large websites uh, essentially be quick around the world. So think about like the New York Times or Ticketmaster or whatever. 
Uh, Fastly does a content delivery network. They do kind of like endpoint placements. So you can get your stuff closer to where people are. They do load balancing. It's it's the it's the nuts and bolts stuff that make the internet quick that you don't see. And that's probably why we don't know much about them because Kate, they're in the background. Does that make sense? Right. It's right. Exactly. It's not a particularly buzzworthy company, but they'd raised quite a bit of venture capital, right? Yeah, so it's 219 million as a private company, and just to throw in some uh, some investor names: uh, Amplify, Sapphire Ventures, August Capital, Iconic with a Q, uh, O'Reilly Alpha Tech Ventures, and some other names. I think Battery might have been in there, but uh, a number of rounds all the way through a Series F, I believe. Okay, so they raised a lot of money, and they're at the point where going public made sense. And it looks like they're founded in 2011, so that means they're about eight years old, which is actually a pretty healthy. You know, that's not that's not like some of the unicorns we see go public, like at. 11, 12 years old. No, it actually feels almost like an old school timeline. You know, yeah. <laughs> like this is kind of appropriate actually. Um, but if you haven't heard of Fastly, that's the thumbnail. And then uh, Kate, should I talk about the revenue now? Is that fair? Yeah. What did you get out of the S1? Well, first of all, I still love S1s and I'm so glad it's that it's IPO season. I just want to say that again. It's so fun to open a new document and not know what to expect and get to read an income statement from a new firm. It's like the best thing in this job. So anyways, if you haven't read the S1, go do it. Join me in my nerdery. Uh, but in 2017, Kate Fastly had a revenue of $104.9 million, and that grew to $144.6 million in 2018, which is I think about – 38% growth, if my math uh, checks out, a little bit under 40% essentially. Um, and as a detail, they spent 41 million roughly in 2017 on sales and marketing and just over 50 million in uh, 2018. So you can see the investment is going up as they're trying to grow, uh, but they're certainly of IPO scale, as you mentioned before. Okay, so is Fastly losing money like the rest of the unicorns going public or are they making money? Okay, well, it's not it's not Zoom, so it's not profitable. But the company's net losses are falling both in dollar terms from 2017 to 2018 and in percent of revenue terms. So the company's net loss in 2017 was about 31% of revenue, and that fell to 21% in 2018. So the path to profitability is there. It okay. looks pretty healthy, I would say. I, I know this, this company isn't as fun as like Pinterest, but um, to yeah, me- Yeah, it may not be as fun, but it'll probably have a good IPO pop like Zoom, which we'll talk about next. Yeah, well, maybe, but I mean, the company needs more money. This is an IPO to raise capital because it has 37 million mm -hmm. in cash and okay. um, it's a negative cash flow on both operating and investing activities, but that's fine. IPOs were traditionally capital raising events. So I think it's fun. We'll have more uh, when they uh, set a price range and so forth. Uh, and we're expecting this to be a unicorn debut. So over a billion dollars for sure and uh, more to come. So I'm excited about it. And that brings us actually, Kate, good foreshadowing to Zoom, which yep. uh, blew up the internet this week, I think is it really, fair to say. <laughs> it really did. I mean, when I, so I'll get to the basics in a second, but Zoom popped 81% pop on its IPO. So, I mean, that, when I saw that number, I just bursted out laughing. That's insane. That's, <laughs> I mean, right? That's just a, that is a huge pop. And I, and I don't know, but I, I'm curious, like what other IPO pops even compare to that? Because that's like, just getting into a territory of like, wow, well, I mean, this is the kind of scenario in which you really do have to argue that the IPO is underpriced. I mean, come sure. on. Like, right. And it's still it's still currently up 72%. So it's not like that was just a day of hype. Like, I mean, of course, it's only been two days, but I think we're going to continue to see this stock trading up really high. So it really makes you curious what was going through their mind when they did choose to price. So let me go back a few steps. Zoom initially set a price range of $28 to $32 for their shares. They were valued at about $1 billion a couple of years before they filed to go public. So we're thinking, okay, billion dollar company, $28, $32. Then, you know, there's a lot of demand because in their S1, we all talked about and realized that they were profitable, which is 
remarkable for a tech IPO because it's just not something that you see very often. Right. And then, of course, demand flooded in and they decided, hey, okay, we're going to increase the size of our IPO. So they upped the price to $33 to $35. Again, like made sense given all the demand. And then ultimately they priced their IPO above that range at $36. So again, they were like, well, a lot of demand here. We do want to make a good amount of money. So they priced at $36. Well, then they open um, on trading day yesterday at $65. 65. Sorry, that's so so crazy. They nearly doubled their offering price. And thinking back to that $28 that they'd considered initially, that's quite an outlandish leap. Yeah. And so the the best number out of this is that gives Zoom an initial market cap of $16 billion. Give give or or take. That's a roughish number. So don't hold us to that. But that's the best estimate we've seen from financial websites so far. Right. And that's that's kind of the number I've seen tossed around from from a lot of people in, in the space. And $16 billion is um, 16 times $1 billion. But as I think I've mentioned a couple of the stories I wrote, yes, Zoom was valued by, by VCs at about $1 billion in 2017, but they were trading shares on the private market, um, sorry, on the secondary market at a lot higher of a value. So, and actually a couple of investors I spoke to in the last few weeks said that Zoom was just like radically undervalued upon its last round of private funding. So there are a few things going on. It's it's yes, it is a crazy multiplication of its last valuation, but there are um, you know some other things going on that make that leap a bit more reasonable. Yeah, can I throw a caveat onto onto the kind of common thinking about the IPO pop in this case because. Mm-hmm. I wonder if the IPO is actually relatively fairly priced. I think it was like what, not worth nine point two billion at its IPO price, around nine billion. So a pretty big. Yep, multiple. it was around nine billion. Yeah, that 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 number made some sense to me from the kind of a revenue multiple perspective. At sixteen billion, I, I reran the math before the show just for fun. Uh, they had about three hundred and thirty million in revenue last year, if I remember correctly, and that gives them about a forty eight x trailing revenue multiple, which is too high. Uh, and if you presume they grow like a hundred percent this year, their current valuation has a forward multiple of like twenty four. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ten is a pretty good revenue multiple for a SaaS business, and I know they're growing quickly and they're profitable, so that should give them a, a bigger one. But it just feels kind of ridiculous. And so I wonder if the market is mispricing the company, not the bankers. So at the sixteen billion dollar valuation, it's twenty four x. Yeah, presuming a hundred percent growth in twenty nineteen. Okay, right. So that's I mean, for any industry, that's a pretty that's an insane revenue multiple. Bonkers. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious why um, we're seeing this kind of crazy um, leap. And actually, um, I don't know if you watched, but uh, Eric Yuan, the CEO of Zoom, he was on Bloomberg with Emily Chang. And he said to her, basically, like, mm, the the stock price is too high. Like, I want I don't like it this high. So and, and I talked to him yesterday for a few minutes and he was just kind of like, yeah, this is not really what I expected. Like, it's it's being overvalued essentially. And I think he's just this person who really wants everything to be really fair and he wants the right investors in his company. And when he was pricing the IPO, one of his investors said that uh, he just wanted it to be priced, quote unquote, very fairly. So I think this to him is a little bit like, I think he's scratching his head being like, um, okay, come back to earth, please. (laughs) Like, I don't want, I don't want people to have the wrong expectations about growth of my company. Yeah. He's probably the chillest um, billionaire I've ever met, but I knew him back before he was a billionaire, which was like three months ago. So it's kind of a right. weird, a weird transition there. But he's certainly the opposite of a Travis Kalanick in terms of his uh, how he comports himself, how he runs his business, and uh, it's an example of um, nice people seemingly doing well. And I kind of like that because it flies in the face of uh, a lot of the hype we've seen in the unicorn era about how to build a company and how to be a founder and how to kind of grind it out. Yeah. 
Yeah, actually, um, I think both Ben Silberman, CEO of Pinterest, and Eric of Zoom are similarly these very genuine, authentic, realistic CEOs. And I'm happy to see that they are getting some attention, although I don't think either of them are particularly press, uh, you know, not not that they're not friendly to the press, but I don't think that they seek out press. So I don't know how much they like this, but they are getting a lot of deserved applause, applaud and attention. That's kind of nice to see. Yeah. Before we move on to Pinterest, uh, to underscore what Kate's saying, some CEOs of, of private companies do a lot of media appearances. And uh, Aaron Levy at Box in the kind of later stage of Box as a private company was the kind of my favorite example of this. He was ubiquitous. You turned on your television, there he was. You went to a conference, yeah. there he was. You would turn on Twitter, there he was. I think there was four of him pretending to be him because it was crazy. <laughs> but it was really effective. He got out there and he sold Box everywhere he went. And it helped Box grow and probably made their enterprise sales process a bit more efficient and really built some brand awareness for them. And then on the other hand, there's Zoom, whose CEO has not done that. And they've instead put ads all over the airport. Um, both approaches work. Uh, but in this case, he is definitely the Zoom company did the opposite of the uh, the big public push with the CEO's face. Um, but that's one IPO, Kate. How about Pinterest, which did well, just not quite as well, I suppose. It, it was up 28% in its first day. Uh, it was priced at $19 a share above its range of 15 to 17. It opened at 23.75. And the company is now worth, by my estimate, about $13 billion, which is critically above its last private valuation. So under corn, no more. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It sounds like you don't think that this went as well as it could have, but actually I thought that this was sort of the best outcome I could have expected. I, I didn't actually, I didn't think that they would debut at a valuation larger than their last private market valuation. Hence that under corn conversation we've been having. And that's fine. I just wasn't, ex- I didn't think that they would leap past that at all. And, you know, they did slightly and that's fine. And, and it's a great IPO, I, I, no matter how you slice it. I would say this was probably a little bit better than the expectations I had. Yeah, no, I actually, I may have mispresented uh, myself. I agree with all of that. I think this was a, a pretty solid result. Uh, if they had gone up 10%, I would have said, cool, but to go up nearly 30 um, after some mildly conservative IPO pricing, putting a lot of cash in their balance sheet with their path to profitability, they can now just go off and execute, right? So to me, they're in a great spot. The The negative narrative is gone and they raised over a billion dollars. So what's right. not I think to everybody's, like? Yeah, I think everybody's fairly pleased with how this went. And, and I think, I mean, even the undercorn conversation, like I tried to make clear in a story I wrote a couple days ago, like it's not meant to be such a critical narrative. I think it's just a fact. Like if they were to debut at a lower market cap than their valuation, like sure, that is not necessarily what you hope for in an IPO. You do hope that companies accumulate value when they go public. And in the case that Pinterest didn't, okay, yes, it's an undercorn, but that's not the end of the world. And it's really not a bad thing. It's just sort of a thing worth taking note of because I think it allows us to have more of a dialogue around inflated valuations and also these inflated revenue multiples and other things like that, which in Pinterest's case, you know, kind of was worth discussing because it was an unprofitable company and it was valued at $12 billion before it went public. Yeah, I think it's important to, to understand that when we're talking about undercurrents, we're often pointing out errors on the side of venture capitalists and how they price companies right. as opposed to heaping blame upon founders and hardworking staff. Like we're not trying to be a rude person to the people doing the work. We're saying that investors got ahead of themselves and their expectations for the company a few years before. And, that, and that's an interesting market point as opposed to you know a sin or some sort of error. 
Exactly. I, I don't think I have any critiques toward Pinterest. I actually think that they have a great path to profitability in place. And they're really, they seem to be a really great company that has a lot of really cool values that I, that is really nice to see. Kind of seems like Zoom is probably similarly has values-based mission, which again, we need to have that. So I have no critiques of that. You know, I, like you said, Pinterest had a 25% pop. It's now seeing about up 28% from its IPO. As you remember a couple weeks ago, Lyft also had a a pop above 20%. Um, Lyft popped 21% when they went public and they had a good first few days and then they didn't have any more good days. And now, you know, Lyft is down. It's worth $58 a share. It priced, it priced at $74 a share. So, you know, it's down like 16 bucks. It's not good. So I, I do have um, the same worries now. I, I know Pinterest and Lyft are really different companies, but they are both consumer tech companies. And that's, that is uh, something. Yeah. Well, I'm less concerned about Pinterest than I was about Lyft because Lyft, their valuation went up uh, substantially during their IPO pricing process. They were far more unprofitable than Pinterest. They mm-hmm. didn't have an obvious path to profitability and their long-term projections were relatively weak on the profit front and Uber was chewing up the ground behind them. So Pinterest, I, I agree on the consumer front, but I think this shows that even consumer plays can drive material demand from the public markets after the snap and Blue Apron and Lyft issues. And that is heartening, I presume, to a lot of companies out there that are hoping to go public this year while the window is still open and Pinterest has kind of probably paved the way um, in a way that's (laughs) by consoling to a lot of investors out there holding a lot of illiquid wealth in uh, consumer-oriented private companies. And that's bullish and that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it really could go either way. So I'm excited to keep watch and see whether it kind of has suffers the same fate as Lyft and whether that's because of Lyft or because of Pinterest's own set of issues or what. But um, or, you know, it soars forward and it keeps accumulating value, which would which would be a nice outcome. Yeah. Well, anyways, we should uh, close up shop. It is Friday and we all want to get this out. But uh, don't forget, we have a new equity email address, which is equitypod at techwrench.com. If you shoot us an email there, we all get it. So be polite. Don't send rude memes. And uh, we'll see you all very soon. Kate, lovely to see you. All right. See you next week. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. And a big thank you to our producer, Christopher Gates, our executive producer, Henry Pickovet, And we will see you all right here next week. I don't think so. I think that works great. Then I'll just cut to you jumping in. So. And sorry about my phone. I was like, or it, you're no, killing me. You're killing me with the phone. It's not my phone, though. It's my laptop, and I don't know how to make it stop.